In a time when our nation is so clearly divided, we have two extremely challenging passages of scripture to consider today. I believe that they have within them both a challenge for us and also a less obvious and positive word of encouragement. First, Amos. Amos is a prophet from the southern kingdom of Judah who preaches to his northern neighbors in Israel in the middle of the 8th century or so before the Christian era. He is the first prophet to refer to this thing called the Day of the Lord. Now, the Day of the Lord was generally understood as a time when God would put things to right, when God would do justice, and in particular punish God's enemies. They would get what was coming to them, get what they would deserve. And so the people who looked forward to the Day of the Lord were those who saw themselves as being on God's side and were anxious for everything to be put to rights. But Amos says to Israel, not so fast. Alas for you who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you, why do you want the day of the Lord? It's darkness, not light. For you, it's darkness, not light, because you are not on God's side, whatever you may think. You are, in effect, God's enemies. And what's the reason? Israel is not keeping the law. Israel is not defending the poor and the widows and the orphans. Israel, in Amos' view, is not doing justice, even though it seems that, that Israel's economic uh, situation was relatively prosperous and relatively peaceful. In the voice of Yahweh, Amos declares, I hate your festivals. I do not accept your offerings. I will not listen to your music unless or until you let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The stock market might be doing all right, but there are signs of injustice everywhere. So don't anticipate the day of the Lord with anything other than dread, unless, unless you turn things around. Well, fast forward 700 years or so to the time of Jesus and his parable of the 10 bridesmaids. Jesus had predicted the destruction of the temple and that led the disciples to ask, tell us, Jesus, when will this be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And in response, Jesus tells a number of parables of which this is one. Now the parable over the centuries has usually been understood as allegory with Jesus being the bridegroom, the bridesmaids being the followers of Jesus, some being wise, some being foolish. And, and, and Christians have wondered, therefore, who's wise and who's foolish and what does it mean to watch and what does it mean to, uh, to wait and what does it mean to be ready. And they've also heard uh, when Jesus tells the foolish bridesmaids who say, Lord, Lord, let us come to the banquet. And, and he says, no, I don't, I don't know you. They've heard an echo of the Sermon on the Mount where we heard Jesus say, uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. So there's another reading of this parable that's less allegorical, uh, a different way of hearing it, perhaps. See, all ten bridesmaids fell asleep. 
It's just that some had done what was necessary. Yes, they'd brought long enough oil for their lamps, but might it be that what was really necessary was that they had prepared by doing the will of their Father in heaven, doing the will of God. And what would be the will of God? Well, surely it would be to let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. See, the goal here, the goal for all of us, the goal for everyone who strives to follow in the way of life, the way of Jesus, the goal here is righteousness. And righteousness, let it roll down like waters, righteousness means right relationship with God and with all whom God has made. Remember the summary of the law, love God and love your neighbor, and remember you can't do one without the other. So yes, the parable points to the end times, to judgment, to a reminder that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. But it also serves as a clarion call in the tradition of the prophets to right relationship. Pay attention, work for right relationship. And surely that is the word we need today is in both church and state. Our election has underlined the deep tribal and cultural divisions that afflict us in this land. Maybe we can hope that one day our political division will return to being about the role of government and about policy differences. But in the meantime, we have to sort out how to find right relationship with God and with all our neighbours, all our neighbours. We have a community, a parish community, who already begun this challenging work, causing us to do internal spiritual work by trying to be one parish in two languages. This raises for all of us issues of race and class and privilege and internalized oppression, raises questions of income disparity. All of the things that afflict our society, we have to do in ourselves to become one parish in two languages. The work might be slightly different depending on where we, what perspective we bring, but it's spiritual, internal spiritual work that we must do. Some have been doing this work individually through working through our, um, the, the Episcopal Church's sacred ground curriculum, and we'll be offering another group or two to, to do that work after, after Christmas. Some of you have read books like Hillbilly Elegy and Eviction that came out a few years ago. Certainly they've been helpful to me in beginning to understand something about our neighbors, maybe in the, appreciate the experience of our neighbors. When we could travel, uh, on our parish mission team trip to St. Timothy's Mission in Irvine, Kentucky, we had the privilege at the end of a, of a week of breaking bread with people who knew that coal mining and logging were not coming back to their region, but who really liked the fact that Donald Trump appeared to recognize their existence, appeared to know that they mattered in some way, appeared to acknowledge them. And and we found in the midst of common humanity and eating and sharing stories, a real appreciation of how that could be, how it could be that, that being recognized is so terribly important. In fact, part of what we were doing was recognizing each other. I've had many conversations with many of you who have found the divisions in our country being reflected in your own families and how much strain that has put on relationships um, 
not unlike those talked about in the gospel as, as people were separated from the synagogues and deep division, father against mother and law and daughter and law against father-in-law and the, those kind of prophecies that we heard Jesus say, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. Many in our parish are experiencing that kind of tension almost to the breaking point in their own families. It is really important that we find ways to overcome these divisions in ourselves and in society. I remain hopeful that some of the proposals for some kind of national service that we hear will bear fruit in time, bringing people, probably younger people together for a year or two of service, regardless of the diversity of backgrounds and geographies, come together to work for a common purpose and to perhaps develop some understanding and even appreciation of people who are very different. In other words, what we have in today's scriptures is a clarion call to righteousness, to right relationship, to do the work we need to do, demanding that we turn with renewed vigor to the hard spiritual work of weaving the fabric of true community in this land. And at the same time, an implied, there is an implied word of comfort with the promise of admission to the banquet if we will but do our part. When we do both our internal spiritual work and external societal work for justice, we will become part of the answer to the prayer we've made so often in recent weeks, and which we will continue, which will continue to be relevant once the election and transition are behind us. Let us pray for our nation. Please join me. Almighty God, who has given us this good land for our heritage. We humbly beseech thee that we may always prove ourselves a people mindful of thy favor and glad to do thy will. Bless our land with honorable industry, sound learning and pure manners. Save us from violence and discord, confusion. Save us from pride and arrogance. And fashion into one united people the multitudes brought hither out of many kindreds and tongues. Endue with the spirit of wisdom those to whom in thy name we entrust the authority of government, that there may be justice and there may be peace at home, and that through obedience to thy law we may show forth thy praise among the nations of the earth. In the time of prosperity fill our hearts with gratitude, and in the day of trouble suffer not our trust in thee to fail, all which we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.